is is this on or okay all right <laughs> i can't really i can't really tell uh well as uh Blake shared it is such a joy to be with you guys uh this morning and every time we are able to come to the states uh this is always a highlight to come and visit you guys um and just be able to worship uh along with you um and i unfortunately my my family wasn't able to come this time uh but since i have seen you we actually have another child so um the we have a third now faith so we have grace liam and faith um and so we when we named uh faith we actually um you know, I, I spoke of how one day I'll be able to talk to my girls about grace and faith and how just as they are sisters, so is grace and faith and that they cannot be separated. And so, um, unfortunately, they're not here to meet you. You would have a whole lot of fun with faith. She's a bit of a fireball. Um, but the ministry is is going well. I work with the church there in Namibia and we... Um, we are doing church planting as well. We have two, ch- two churches that we are currently planting, um, and lots planned for this year, um, in trying to raise up leadership. So training up, up men in those churches to then take over the work more full time. Um, so things are, things are good. And as we, every year we look at the work and we see that Truly, God's word is, is, is true, that the harvest is plenty, but the labors are few. And so I would ask that as you remember us, remember labors, pray for more leaders to be raised up that will go out and, and further the gospel in Namibia. Namibia. I'll just keep saying it. Namibia. <laughs> um, but, as we um, get into the word today, let me just pray and then we'll, we'll dive in. Father, we thank you and praise you for your word. Thank you for the sweetness that it is, that even as we read um, in Colossians, Lord, how sweet are those words. I pray that you would teach us now um, as we look to another text and um, a few others in, in this sermon. I pray that you would give me boldness. Um, let me continue to have the kind of passion and desire that we will read about today. Thank you, Lord, for this great opportunity. In your name I pray, amen. Well, um, as you can see from in the bulletin, uh, we're looking at a healthy church. It has a healthy appetite, or that these are equal. Um, as Blake mentioned, I've been in Namibia for 11 years, and when I think about that, it's kind of hard to believe. Um, when I went to Namibia, I was 23, uh, and I'm 34 now. Um, and it's, if I think of those first years, um, they were so crucial. In some of the first years, um, I went out with a couple teammates, and we would visit various churches in the area. And we saw many different kinds of churches, and the whole point was to... Um, understand what kind of things are being taught, what kind of churches are out there, and what do they believe. Uh, I went, and, and the one of my fellow workers, Todd, uh, we used to go and we'd visit churches every two weeks, so we'd spend two weeks at a church and hearing the sermon, seeing the worship, and then we would move on and we'd visit another church. And there were some that were uh, exciting to visit, and there were some that 
produce zeal in us. <laughs> Let me say it like that. That we're a little harder to sit through, but we came out of it more passionate about preaching the word. Um, and so we saw many different types of churches. We saw some that as we went out into more secluded areas, we saw people who hungered for the word that where you would come. Now imagine this. They have asked you to come and preach and you preach for maybe an hour and they say, no, we want more. Keep going. <laughs> so then you preach for another hour and then they say, no, we want more. And more and more. And this is many times how it is in parts of Namibia. You will go into areas in which they have such a hunger and a thirst for the word that they would not dare let you go. <laughs> that they want to keep hearing more and more. And as you finish a text, they ask, well, what does the next one say? What does the next one say? And it's wonderful. And then there have been churches that um, I have gone to that are a little more established. Maybe they have been around for many years and they have a, a, a history. And when you go in and you think, wow, okay, this is going to be wonderful. I, I, I can't wait to be, be in this church. And you find that this church has come to a point where they do not cherish the word anymore. Um, that they, I know this maybe never happens in America, um, but, uh, where perhaps, you know, everyone is, is looking at the time saying, ah, oh, we can't go five minutes over. I can't hear any more preaching. I can't hear any more of the word. They've lost their cherishing of it. And when I, when I saw that, um, when I experienced some of that, it reminded me of a text in Numbers. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to, turn to Numbers with me. It's, it's a, I'll read just a short text here, but the book of Numbers, chapter 21, and this text is, we may know that it is a text that even is, is looking forward to Christ, and I love this passage, but there's something in it that also grieves me. Numbers, chapter 21, verse 4, and I'll read through uh, verse 6. He says, from Mount Hor, they set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the people became impatient on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? They asked, for there is no food, no water. And the next Part of that text is kind of interesting. After they say there's no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people so that many people of Israel died. And we know the rest of it um, is where then God instructs Moses after the people then cry out to him, we are perishing then God has Moses set up this, this serpent on a, on a pole, and that as they would look and believe that, they would not die after they were bitten by the serpent. And this is, again, the foreshadowing to Christ being put up on the cross. It's a wonderful text. But what I wanna, want you to notice is just the groanings of the people. God had given them everything they needed. God had given them the 
this wonderful food, if we went to the description of manna, you, if you're, you're familiar with this, it's, it's like honey. Like, who likes honey? I mean, honey's good, right? I mean, unless you don't like honey. Um, but honey's really good. Um, it is sweet. It's wonderful. It was like wafers, you know, um, these vanilla wafers. I, I like vanilla wafers as well. You know, wafers with honey. It's, it, they're wonderful. It sounds really wonderful. Yet, the people here in Numbers complained against God for this food. They say, first, we have no food. But really what they are doing is they're despising the food that God gave them. They hated the gift from God. Well, today we're going to take a look at a topic that I believe is very vital for the life of the church. That if if a church has a bad or wrong appetite, it affects the life of the church. It becomes one of the most important things that we could, we could even talk about today. And I know that as we go into this Christmas season, there may be texts of Scripture that are read every single Christmas. And our, our temptation is to say, oh, well, this one again, okay, I'll just listen through. But I hope today that you will see that these passages can be renewed as fresh. That we can have such a desire for the word that even if we've read through them a hundred times, they are still sweet to our taste. One of the most vivid pictures in the Bible compared to the affections and yearnings and desires of the church or of, of the believer is that of a spiritual appetite. Matthew 5 verse 6 um, is sort of our, our main text that I want to look at today. Um, Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. And this is the, the Beatitudes um, in, its, in its full um, group. But I'm going to focus mostly on, on verse 6 where he says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Now, Again, we're looking at a healthy church needs to have a healthy appetite. And this is very important. And this is going to be our, our comparison for today. That as we look to this picture of a church and, and its, its health, we're going to compare it to a, our appetite. So I'll refer back and forth between spiritual appetite and physical appetite. And we'll look at those comparisons. Hunger and thirst are the strongest of our bodily appetites. Have you ever thought about that? You know, we are hungry every single day. We are thirsty every single day. Um, it is a strong bodily appetite. They are also continuous, never-ending. You know, we get a drink, we're thirsty, and a little later, we're thirsty again. We are hungry again. It doesn't, it, we never get full of food, right? We are never to the point where we're like, okay, I've had enough food for my life. No. We get to a point where we're hungry again, and it's continuous. It's never ending. If you were to take a man who was starving, he is a starving man, and you offer him food or a car, what do you think he chooses? Now, a plate of food and a car those are big different values. 
The car is way of more value, but to the hungry and starving man, the food has actually more value. He would choose the food every time. Perhaps he would even be like Esau, who was so hungry that he was willing to give up his birthright for a bowl of stew. He <laughs> was a hungry man. He had a, a real hunger at that point. Our spiritual appetites are to be like our physical ones. It's just like this. Except instead of food or drink, we are to hunger and thirst for righteousness. I think this is an area that greatly lacks in churches today. Um, this is where you see some churches where people will come and they simply attend and they don't have that hunger and thirst for the word, but it is simply, this is what I do on Sunday as I come and I sit. And, I, and I'm sure, again, this is not happening in America, but in Namibia, it happens and we have people who will come in and they will sit, they will, they will simply do their duty as attending church, but they don't have a hunger for the word. They don't have a hunger for righteousness and wanting to take that word and apply it to their lives so that they can live more righteously um, to the glory of God. You see, many churches struggle with this because they've lost their appetites. They've lost it. They no longer thirst for the word of God. Now, there are two aspects of this appetite, and we'll, we'll look at each of these. The one is there is the aspect of the word. Now, we have imputed righteousness, but that is something we are, we are not hungry for, but rather what we have by grace through Jesus Christ. We are imputed righteousness. What he's talking about here is more in terms of the righteousness we get through the word of God. It is, it is our source of how we know what righteousness is. How do we know what is right? We get it from the word. It is so crucial. There are many passages that reflect how we are to hunger for, for the word. And we'll look at a couple of them. Um, you don't have to turn to all of them, but I'm just going to read them quickly because it is so rich and so wonderful to even read. Um, Psalms 119 is full of these um, where we see so much concerning the word. Psalms 119 verse 103 Sorry, let me get there quickly. Um, Psalm 119, 103 says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I don't know if, if the psalmist was thinking of that passage in, in Numbers, but it's almost the opposite. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I don't know how often have you thought of the, 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 the scriptures like that. That you're like, oh, it is sweeter than the, the sweetest thing I could ever get. It's better than anything I have. Um, also, uh, another one is Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, um, sorry, Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 3. Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. It reads, And he humbled you and let you hunger 
and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. See, the, God was teaching the Israelites something with manna. And it was not about the substance of the food. It was about God providing for them through, through his word that every word they were, they were supposed to take and cherish. It was supposed to be sweet to them. He let them hunger and then, they, then he fed them. He satisfied them. Now, that is one aspect of this. It is by the word of God that we grow and mature. First Peter 2 verse 1 and 3 speaks of the, the milk that an infant needs. That the word is, is, is compared to that milk. If you, I know we have a few small babies and children in, in, in the church. They need that nourishing milk. They need to grow off of that sustenance. And he equates this to the word. That it is, if we want to mature, if we want to grow, we need the right appetite. We need the right, the right food. If we do not have a steady diet of the word, we will not grow as we ought to grow. We will become malnourished as we'll look at a little bit later. Now, the second aspect of this appetite, though, is very important as well. That as we, we understand that it, the source is the word of God, the second aspect of this appetite is the application of that word. Righteousness involves more than just being a good listener to the word. It involves application. It involves taking what we hear and applying it to our lives to the glory of God. The believer is called to apply the word um, to their lives so to live holy lives to God. Now, keeping with our comparison, a man must eat, right? We will probably all eat today. We must eat our appetites. Um, we need food for our bodies. But you must also digest. You have to digest as well. You cannot just eat and eat and eat and have no digestion. It works very much together. The digestion of your food is the application is like the application of God's word. So as we, we hear the word of God, as we cherish it, as we love it, we don't just leave it there. But then we strive to apply it. We, try, we, we digest it by then using it in our lives. We'll talk a little more about that in a little bit. Now these two aspects are vital for any church to be healthy. Churches that are unhealthy, as I said before, tend to have a bad appetite. They've lost their appetite. And yet I think we see many today like that. And it has caused their growth to stop. I don't, I tend to, there are some that would think that it is through programs or, um, clever 
ways of doing music or something like this that grows the church. I don't believe that. I believe it is the word of God that grows the church. It is, it is God using his word in the people through the gospel and through the application. That's what grows the church. And so we can't put our hope in false appetites, in things that don't really grow. But we need the word of God. So secondly, what is the result of having a good spiritual appetite? If the church has a good spiritual appetite, it will result in a few things here, in four things. One, blessing. Matthew 5, verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. It results in a blessing from the Lord. If we hunger and thirst for righteousness, God will fill us. He will satisfy us. It is not a question here. It is not, if you look back at that text, um, Matthew 5, verse 6. I'm going to go back to it here. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall. Some versions will say they will be satisfied. It's not they might be satisfied. They could be satisfied. No, they will. They shall be satisfied. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Number two, it causes a seriousness towards sin. So to have the right spiritual appetite causes a seriousness towards sin. If we hunger for righteousness, we will view sin very differently. If we think of righteousness as something very low, we think, eh, sin's not so bad. Sin's not that big of a deal. But with the right appetite... We see sin for what it is, a serious thing, something that needs repentance. We will have a passion for repentance with a good spiritual appetite and even for church discipline. That we will, we will see church discipline not as a bad thing, but actually a good thing. Something that is wonderful, that protects and, and helps us to turn away from sin. This is what set the Puritans apart. The Puritans, if, I don't know if you've ever done any study on the Puritans, but they were serious about sin. They were serious about righteousness. And that is the difference. So if you have the right spiritual appetite, you will think of sin seriously. And you will love church discipline for that reason. Number three, Although your physical man may be getting old and weary, your inward man is renewed day by day. I know there are a few of you that are a little bit older than me and uh, going up in years. Um, and maybe your bodies are feeling a little frail. But the wonderful truth is that no matter how frail your body feels, the right spiritual appetite renews your inner man day by day. This is what the scripture says. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16 to 18. 2 Corinthians 4, 
verse 16 to 18, he says this, So we do not lose heart. So for those that are older, don't lose heart. Though your outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. See, that's what renews our, our, our inner man day by day. And there are times, admittedly, I feel weak as a missionary. <laughs> I feel frail. I, I, am, I am wasted, yet I know where my renewing needs to come from. I know that it is through the word that God strengthens my heart. It is such a wonderful thing that how God strengthens us through his word. And that it is not, if I am, if I am having a good spiritual appetite, it renews me day by day. It really does. So important. Lastly, number four, having the right spiritual appetite means that you will be satisfied. Matthew 5, verse 6 again. This is what only Scripture can do. Only Scripture satisfies the hunger and thirst of the believer. See, as a Christian, we do have a spiritual appetite. And we may try, as we'll look in a minute, to fill that appetite with things that are not satisfying, that perhaps the world will say are satisfying. But it is the word that truly satisfies us. It is that, that, that steady diet of the word, that steady diet of the application of the word that sustains and satisfies our souls. Now, there are a few problems or wrong thinking when it comes to the spiritual appetite of the, of the church. And as we look at the results of the right appetite, we may ask, well, why do we or other believers struggle or fail in this? Why do I not have that thirst and that hunger? Now, we all want that, that appetite, and I hope some of you, you have that. When we read this, the scriptures, I hope it was sweet to you. But if you struggle in this way, um, it could be for a few different reasons. Thomas Charles, a Puritan pastor, said this, No sign can be worse than a cold indifference towards the things of God when they become, as it were, stale, without any relish or nourishment, like a tale that has been told a hundred times over. I don't know if you've ever heard somebody tell a story a hundred times over, and when they come that, that hundredth time, you're like, oh, I've heard it before. Well, what he's saying is that it's a bad sign when that's the kind of attitude you have towards the things of God. Sometimes we can do this towards ministry. We can do this towards the church. We can sometimes have this kind of attitude towards the word. But we shouldn't. And there could be a, one of the problems that I'll mention here. Three problems that are wrong thinking. One is the thought 
that this hunger or thirst is only at our conversion. See, sometimes what we think is that, well, yes, I, I remember having that thirst and that hunger. It was right after I got saved. You know, I've seen someone got saved and they were, man, they were passionate for it. And we think, well, that's something for the new Christian. I'm now a mature believer and I can now sit quietly and not have that kind of passion. What? <laughs> I mean, really? Really? The mature Christian has no need for the spiritual food, only the infant? No. Is that right? Thomas Charles, once again, he says, Is food more refreshing to a child than to a hungry man in full strength after the labor and toil of the day? Far from it. You know, some of you here, I don't know all of your professions. I don't know how you, what you work, but maybe some of you work manual labor jobs. Do you finish the labor of your day and come home and go, yeah, I don't need any food. I think I'm good. I, I, I think I'm satisfied by my work. I think that's fine. No, right? You come home, you're like, what's for dinner? What, honey, do you have it ready? Can I eat some now before we eat? You know, you're hungry. A mature believer in the labor that God has called you for, you need that nourishment all the more. You need the, the things the word gives you all the more. Yes, the child needs it for his growth and maturity, but so do, so do you, so do I. I need it daily. The problem is with the hunger. The older believer has stopped hungering for righteousness. They've stopped thirsting for it. They've considered other things perhaps better. Number two, it could be a problem with sin. When I was uh, the second year I was in Namibia, um, I got a parasite called Giardia. And does anyone know what Giardia is? Raise your hand. Okay, there are well, there's like so many of you. That's great. It's kind of like it's kind of a, a really interesting looking parasite. You know, if you're going to get one, that's kind of the coolest looking one. Um, it's not a worm or anything like that, but it is one that, in the best way I can say it, affects your digestion. Um, and the people laughing are the ones that know what a, what this parasite is. Um, it affects the digestion, and it is one that I have never been as thin as I have in my life after I had this parasite. Um, but it was horrible. It, it taxed and um, thinned my body in ways that I did not expect, and it was a very hard thing to, to go through. Now, sin is much like Giardia. It's much like a parasite. Um, in that it affects digestion. You may be reading your Bibles or sitting under good preaching, but because you have sin in your life, you've stopped applying or hearing it. Sin has clouded or affected your digestion. And so you might be saying, well, why, why, don't, I, why don't I hunger for the word like I used to? Perhaps it is sin. Perhaps there is sin in your life. I, I, I am so thankful for the prayers that I, that I witnessed in this service. 
how you guys are confessing and, and with adoration, praying like you are. That was so encouraging, so encouraging. It could be, though, this is one of those things that can affect our digestion of the word. Um, something to examine your life on. Number three, spiritual malnourishment. Another problem. It's another problem facing the church. Um, This is to say that instead of feeding on the refreshing, nourishing, and satisfying word, you fill your diet with other things of no substance. Um, I don't drink a lot of soda, but uh, when I came... In Namibia, we don't have free refills at restaurants. So generally, if you go to a restaurant and you buy, you know, a Coke, that's all you get. You know, you're just getting that one Coke, you know, and, and, and you make it it. Um, and one of the things that when I first came, when I came back, I had forgotten that there's free refills at a restaurant. So my wife and I, we went out with the kids. We went to this restaurant, and um, I think I ordered a Sprite or something like this. And I was really thirsty. Okay, let me start with that. I was really thirsty. <laughs> and he brought me the first one, and it was gone. So he comes back, you want another one? I was like, oh, wow, free refills. Yes, give me another one. And I took the other one, and, and it was gone. And then the next one came, and oh, wow, okay, you know, I drank that one, and it's gone. But I, I was still thirsty. <laughs> it wasn't satisfying me. So after a few, the waiter comes and he goes, you want me to get you a water? (laughs) And I said, I think that's a good idea. (laughs) And he brought the water and I drank the water and I was like, oh, that was so satisfying. Now my thirst is quenched. That's what I should have started with. Now I've drank all these sodas and I wasn't getting what I needed. I could have started with the water. See, what we tend to do sometimes is we feed on things that are not satisfying. We spend our time, uh, we spend our lives on things that perhaps the world says is a good diet. But every single time, we are still not satisfied. We're not satisfied by the things of this world. And so sometimes it is malnourishment. Sometimes we give our lives over to things that we hunger and thirst for. And again, I'm sure this never happens here, but perhaps it's certain TV shows or in, in Namibia we have soapies, uh, soap operas. Um, perhaps it's sports, watching certain sports or sports teams. Sometimes it's popularity that that is what you hunger and thirst for most. And you think that, ah, if I'm popular in school, then finally I'll be satisfied. And then you find that that still is not satisfying. Perhaps it's video games or some other media. And you think, ah, if I can just get this, I'll be satisfied. And it always falls short, doesn't it? Nothing satisfies us. It's like me drinking this Sprite, and it just wasn't what I actually needed. I needed the Word. Now, I'm not saying these things are not bad in and of themselves. I believe in the freedom of Christ, and we, we have good freedom to watch sports and TV shows and you know have video games and various things. But those aren't the things that will truly satisfy 
us as the church. They will come short every time. So examine yourself as what do you hunger and thirst for? These things can be unsatisfying. If you have had these issues or wrong thinking in your life, you may be asking then the last question. And the last question is then, how can we change our spiritual appetite? If you have, if you've in your life not been feeding on the word, if you have not had that hunger and thirst, then what do you do? What can we do to change it? There are three things, and I would say that this, we change our spiritual appetite much like how we change our physical appetite. I don't know if you've ever tried to change your physical appetite. If it was the doctor that told you you need to change your appetite or something like this. But I would say these three are how we change it. One, there must be a change of heart. Now, if it's health-wise, usually the doctor is changing that for you. Um, explaining what happens if you continue to eat what you eat. But there has to be a change of heart. For the spiritual appetite, this is where we ask the Lord, Lord, give me that hunger and that thirst that I once had. Change my heart from the things that I have started to feed on and turn me back to your word. Number two, there has to be planning. So this is, the, this is that picture in which you have changed your heart. You want to feed on the word, and now you change and you plan your life, not around the things you used to find or think were satisfying, but around what truly is satisfying. You plan. You make changes. And thirdly, you discipline yourself. You know what truly satisfies. I know Going to a restaurant now, I didn't need soda. I needed water. So even if I go in and I think, oh, but Coke is so sweet, it's so good, I know that water is what I need. And so I discipline myself. And I say, no, I'm going to drink water because that's what I truly need. Your spiritual appetite is the same way. You need the word of God. And so you discipline your life of saying, you know, I am going to put the word everywhere. I had one friend, we, we worked together, and that when he would come across a good text, he would get on to his computer and print it as big as he could on one piece of paper, and that would go up on his wall. So eventually his wall was covered in Scripture. <laughs> and that's what he did to keep Scripture in his face all the time. But he disciplined himself to say, I want what nourishes me most all around me. In conclusion, what do you hunger and thirst for? I can't see your hearts. I can't see, I, I, I can't see what you do day in and day out, but you do. And you're the, best, you're the best judge of yourself to where what do you hunger and thirst for? What satisfies you and refreshes you? What falls truly short of satisfying you? Too often we look for clever speech or trendy methodology to satisfy us as a church, but it will never satisfy us like the Word of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your Word. I pray that you would renew in all of us that 
thirst and that hunger for your word, that every sentence, every word would be sweet to our, our hearing. It would be sweet that we would never leave it. We would never want to just hear it, but it would be so sweet that we want to apply it to every aspect of our lives. God, let us be a people who are an example to the world in that they would see your word through our lives. I ask and I pray that you would give us this. In your name I pray. Amen.